This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast with NFL insiders Brian Baldinger and Jason LaConfora, an Odyssey Sports original. Welcome to the latest edition of Baldy's Breakdowns. As always, we come to you courtesy of our friends at Odyssey. I am Jason LaConfora, at Jason LaConfora on Twitter. I am joined, as always, by my main man, Brian Baldinger, at Baldy NFL. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. Please uh, hit us up on Twitter, rate us, review us, interact with us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your uh, podcast goodness. And Baldy... Uh, we've been breaking the league down by divisions uh, this week. I think the, the the biggest sort of news event uh, to come out of the NFL comes out of the AFC West and Carl Nassib, um, veteran defensive lineman on his social media platforms, uh, revealed that that he was gay and in doing so became the first active NFL player to come out while he's uh you know, still an active NFL player while he's still employed by an NFL team. Uh, He's been embraced by Raider Nation, it seems. He's certainly been embraced by Mark Davis. He's been embraced by Roger Goodell. Uh, I saw Bo Jackson on Twitter and other former uh, Raiders greats embracing him. And I I just uh, applaud anyone who reaches a point where they're, they're comfortable enough to do what, what Carl did and, and to sort of embrace their truth and uh, live in a way that, that hopefully um, brings a, a little more joy to him and, and maybe a little less pain or concern or worry about someone else revealing his truth in a way that wasn't authentic or sincere to Carl Nassib. I think uh, all of it has been fantastic, really. I mean, I think we've been waiting for this. Um it's Pride Month. Uh, we have been celebrating it around the world in, in a variety of different ways. And I think there have been probably many gay athletes yep. that just never felt comfortable or felt like it was the right time to actually come out and announce it while they were playing. Many have done it after they have retired uh, in almost some kind of, uh, you know, shame. And I yeah. think we have to just get beyond it. And I thought what Carl did in all of Really, everything I've read has been a strong endorsement, and it all feels just very authentic. It, you know, it just it, it, it was the right time. It's a good player. He's a try-hard guy. He yeah. says that. Um, you know, I think it, it's it, it, it in a world where <laughs> it seems to be awfully divided. Yes, in so many different ways. This felt good. This felt good, and. It, and uh, I'm happy for Carl. I hope that uh, I, I, I think Raider Nation is excited for him, uh, that he can live his life the way he just, you know, desires to live it. And he can contribute to the Raiders and trying to get the Raiders to where they got to go, which 
is really improve their defense. And just from a, a you know from a film film junkie uh, standpoint, away from you know the social media aspect of this whole thing and lifestyle aspect, he's always been a guy that played really hard, Jason. Yes, high motor. He was a big star at Hard Knocks uh -huh. a couple of years ago. He was willing to give you some free financial advice. Oh yeah, you remember those. Some of those on the things. whiteboard there, that was some good stuff. He's, he's, good he's stuff. in the he's in the Hard Knocks Hall of Fame, Bobby. Oh no, no, he was he was he was really really good, good in front of the camera. He was good for the show. Um, probably nobody knew at that time. Maybe people in Cleveland did. I I did not know. Uh, sometimes your teammates, your closest teammates, you know, can learn some things about sure. you in confidence. Uh, but you know, he's moved on to Tampa now, the Raiders, and you know, he's got twenty plus career sacks and. One thing you know from Carl Nassib, he's going to play really hard, and that's that's a that's a credit to anybody that plays in this business. I had a, a couple of chats with Ezra Tuaolo after this news broke, and Ezra okay. played ten years in the league, former yep. second round pick, um, defensive lineman who who came out um, as gay later in life when he stopped mm -hmm. playing after he had adopted two one week old twins uh, with his partner. And Ezra was pretty unequivocal in saying getting this burden released, um, being able to be free, right. And, and experience the at times euphoria you get from revealing yourself to others in a very genuine way. Ezra was, was pretty unequivocal in saying it'll, it'll make him a better player. It'll free him mentally in ways that he might not have even been aware of at the time, consciously that he was shackled, but this is such a part of your identity. Um, you know, it involves the people you love and people who are in your inner circle and why you love them because of your sexual orientation in part. He, he, he thought it would have a positive effect on Carl's career. No, I, I think that's, um, um, I, I think there's a lot of truth to what Ezra laid out with you, Jason. I can see that. I can see, you know, just the comfort level that he'll now have just being around his teammates whether it's in the locker room, on the practice field, just cutting it up with guys the way we like to do it. Um, I, I do think that there's probably been moments where he just felt shackled in some ways about who he was. And, and maybe it did inhibit him in some ways. But, yeah, I think this can be a little uh, liberating in a way to play the game a little bit even different. And, and maybe even at a at a higher level, they need pass rushers. Yeah, with the Raiders, that's what he has been basically, just a situational pass rusher. They've started to share games in three different places in Cleveland, Tampa, and Oakland, or Las Las Vegas. But yeah, I I, I can I can kind of understand exactly where Ezra's coming from with that. One other thing that he said, you know, I asked him, look, when you were playing in the '90s, did you ever think about? fully kind of mm -hmm. embracing the decision that Carl made. And he said, quote, hell to the no. Uh, he just said it was it was a different time then culturally. Yeah. Um, locker rooms hadn't been educated. Right, People, a lot of people in society hadn't been exposed to things they're exposed to now. Um, it was just a, a different time. And, and his fear was that those sort of who held extreme um, negative thoughts towards um, gay people, would make maybe sort of the juice not worth the squeeze to some yeah. degree or, or could literally end his career? No, I, I, I think he, you know, I, it was a different climate. It was just a different climate. Um, I think people have been, not everybody, Jason, but a great deal of people have been educated, understand 
uh, lifestyle, understand a lot of things that have changed in how we are a lot more open and uh, about lifestyle. And we're talking about transgender and yep. uh, lesbians and the whole the whole the whole LGBTQ and beyond. I think we we have a, a much greater understanding. Uh, and I think it's really started at a, a much younger age mm-hmm. now, uh, understanding some of these uh, lifestyle uh, things that people have to go through. And and Ezra's right. I, hell to the no is probably, you know, about as succinct as you can get it. Uh, if you're talking about this, this climate in the 90s versus today. Well, let's look at the Raiders, uh, Baldy. We've generally been starting these dissections of the divisions with the the, the cream of the crop. Um, at, at this point, we, we may be going from the cellar to the, the penthouse in order uh, of this exercise because I tend to feel more strongly personally, at least, about the other three teams in this division having a shot at the playoffs than I do the Raiders. Um, unfortunately, in large part because I, I just – don't know that they're much better or better at all, really, on defense, Baldy. And and that was what the entire offseason had to be about, was about, was was finding at least a middling defense. And I, I'm just not sure that, you know, Yannick and Gakwe and company are going to be able to bridge that divide to get them to be at least a replacement-level defense. Well, it starts with, you know, a new defensive coordinator, another new defensive coordinator, and Gus Bradley coming oh, in. Oh, boy. And, you know, I mean, Gus has had some success uh, in a variety of stops around this league as a defensive coordinator in, in Seattle and, you know, with the Chargers. I mean, he's had some success. But, you know, it's, it's going to be a whole lot more than the defensive coordinator. I mean, I just think that they have missed on a number of draft picks. They have missed consistently on free agency. And so you can say, okay, I mean, it starts just because, you know, two years ago they had three number one draft picks and Cleveland Farrell was the first one. Yeah. And when you're the fourth pick in the draft, you're expected in this league by year three to be at the top of the charts with with, with sacks. And it just has not happened. In fact, I'd be surprised if uh, he – ever becomes a guy that yep. puts up double-digit sacks. He just doesn't have that sort of fast twitch, and he disappears at you know at times. And so, I mean, it starts up front. Uh, you know, Solomon Thomas does mm. – I mean, after what we watched in San Francisco. Oh, boy. Now the light bulb's going to come on. Now he's going to put it all together there and not I mean, in San Francisco, well, Baldy, where he was surrounded by studs? Well, you know, you, you think about it now. Solomon Thomas was the th- – second or third pick in the draft. Cleveland Farrell was the fourth pick in the draft. If you're hitting on those picks, um, you know, okay, then, then, then you go, okay, we're, we're building a beast, but they're not, they're not hitting on him. We've watched Solomon Thomas and what he is, and he's a situational pass rusher. Uh, I have not seen him impact gains the way you have to impact it from the interior of a defensive line. And so, you know, I mean, there's just big, big question marks starting right there. And then you go right down the middle, you know, and is Kwiatkowski and, and Corey Littleton, are they the answer inside? And and Lord knows their secondary um, that gave up 
28 touchdown passes a year ago if they're much improved right now. I mean, it's just hard to hard to say that they are. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Baldy. And and the you know, look, there's some firepower on offense, certainly, and some things that they can count on and some matchup nightmares in a guy like Darren Waller. But well, I, Waller, I just don't know that they can Darren win Waller 45 44. I mean, Darren Waller's their best. He might be their best player. Yeah. Period. Um, at any position on the team. Well, you know, this Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver taken. And if you talk to guys in the Raiders, he is all world at practice. Right. Like nobody can cover him. He just has not been able to take it to the field. Now, he's not the first wide receiver, Jason. You live in Baltimore. Oh, the yeah. first wide receiver that gets lost, game oh, Yeah. But they, they drafted him to be their version of Tyreek Hill. And if he ever becomes that, you go to, okay, you go rugs and you go waller, and all of a sudden you start looking a little bit right. more like the Chiefs, a team that they've been looking up at, um, you know, this entire time since Patrick Mahomes took over. And But I'm not sure that that's going to happen, that he's going to be able to play as fast as you have to be able to play, um, you know, with all of the, the things that you've got to be able to do with the line of scrimmage, depending on what the defenses gives you and all that. And so it remains to be seen right now if he can become that guy. And that's, that's a, you know, in addition to rebuilding this offensive line and, um, you know, letting some really key players go, um, it's, it's, it's kind of a head scratcher what they did up front. Yeah, it, it is. Um, we'll see what kind of home field advantage they have. They'll have fans there. They'll have a club, I guess a disco in the, in the freaking end zone. Well, they, uh, they, have, they have the stadium is beautiful. Yeah. 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 So we'll I have the luxury of doing a game there and getting the, the tour, the honor Al Davis in a way that is really sensational. Raider Nation will, uh, they will enjoy uh, Allegiant Stadium. It, it, there is nothing, from my standpoint, there's nothing not to love about that right. stadium. They just got to, you know, win games and they've got to be a factor in them winning home games. Yeah. Um, I'm basically going to say Godspeed to all that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how this John Gruden and Mike Mayock thing really works out. Uh, you mentioned teams staring up at the Chiefs. The Denver Broncos are another. I feel like the Broncos, uh, unlike the Raiders, Baldy, might be balanced enough. Led by the defense, but but if Teddy Bridgewater is the Teddy Bridgewater we saw for most of his time in Minnesota, managing games, making smart decisions, making one or two big throws when they're there, but not forcing it, not turning the ball over, um, that template that the Broncos have kind of remind me of the Vikings' Mike Zimmer template when Minnesota was a, more of a, a threat, more of a contending team. Uh, when that defense was at its its top. And I think that the Denver players understand Vic Fangio, the throwback that he is, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Um, Von Miller is basically playing for his, his I won't say his career, Baldy, but he's playing for his bag. If Von Miller's ever going to be paid the way Von Miller's accustomed to being paid, he's got to have a big season and stay healthy. Um, but I like their pieces defensively. And I think the transition from Locke to Bridgewater will settle a lot of things down, will renew a little bit of confidence. Um, and we've got an expanded playoff field in the recent years with adding the wild card in each 
conference. I, I think Denver can play meaningful games in through December and and hang around the wild card discussion. What about you? I believe that. I believe that you know Von Miller and Bradley Chubb have yet to play with together. Uh, Von Miller hurt last year. Bradley Chubb hurt the year before. They have not yet played together. Uh, you're going to add, you know, a corner in Patrick Sertan to this mix to go with Justin Simmons and some of the pieces they have. They, they should be very good defensively. Uh, Vic Fangio has had defenses that have led the league in takeaways. He's had number one ranked defenses um, in San Francisco, Chicago. Uh, this looks like it could be on that level. Um, which should keep them in most games. Mm -hmm. uh, the offensive line, you know, the loss of Juwan James was horrible uh, in what happened to him. But, you know, they played without Cortland Sutton a year ago. Uh, you add Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, who is very underrated, K.J. Hamler. I mean, there's, and what they have at tight end um, in Noah Fant. And they, they have a chance to be a, a good football team. The quarterback has got to play big. Um, whoever that is, it, whatever combination, Drew Locke, there is a good reason why there was strong sentiment that Aaron Rodgers wanted to go to Denver. He, he like Tom Brady the year before, did a lot of homework, realized that they've got a lot of pieces there. And and so really, you know, can that combination or of Locke and Bridgewater, uh, I would expect Bridgewater to win that job based on experience. But yep. if he can play – Win, you know, winning football, I mean, somewhere around a 90 quarterback rating, um, you know, and play big in the fourth quarter with games on the line because it seems like Denver loses a lot of close games in the fourth quarter. Yes. Um, I they, they certainly can be in playoff contention. Yeah, I, I just think they, if they don't beat themselves, if they don't, you know, if, if, if they don't have that double agent thing going on on offense with the turnovers – then, then they've got a chance to have a compelling season. Um, you and I have hinted at this in the past in various conversations, but I, I think we both feel like this, the – I almost called them San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers could, could be a, a team that's on the real upswing here um, that may be ready to make a, a, a fairly significant leap forward with all that quarterback did in year one under extreme duress to now getting to have – a regular offseason with how they've tried to fortify the offensive line um, with the existing talent they already have on both sides of the ball and now going to a Brandon Staley who really was at the top of his craft in terms of putting talented defensive players in positions to succeed and, and now he's got Derwin James and Bosa and that whole gang assuming they're able to stay relatively healthy uh, I, I'm really intrigued to see this thing. I think Justin Herbert is is an absolute superstar, uh, and and they have the ability to me to make impactful splash pit plays with some regularity on both sides of the ball. Show me a team in recent history, Jason, that had a quarterback that played as well as Justin Herbert did in either his first or second year, and that team wasn't. Uh, being talked about, right? I mean, you you have to talk about the Chargers based on what we saw from Justin Herbert. His first start last year, of course, was because Terod Taylor had his lung punctured five minutes before kickoff against the Chiefs in Week Two. I just happened to be at SoFi Stadium announcing that game that day, and you know 
it was it was looking like it was going to be a dreadful season with Terod Taylor playing, you know, uh, running quarterback and no ability to get the ball down the field to wide receivers. And it looked like it was just going to be a dreadful season. And then all of a sudden, Justin Herbert throws 31 touchdown passes, including one on the opening drive of the game against the Chiefs that went into overtime where they lost on a 58-yard field goal. Uh, and he ran for five touchdowns during the year and got out of harm's way consistently. And Keenan Allen at the end of the year had 100 catches and eight touchdowns. There's nothing not to like and nothing not to feel good about the optimism surrounding the Chargers right now. Brand new stadium, young, I mean, incredible looking quarterback. I, I mean, he's what he did last year can't be understated enough. It doesn't Brandon happen. Keenan, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen, Jason. It does not happen. What he did throughout the year last year, and you know, they they lost the last second game to the Raiders. I mean, they they were in these ball games. They beat the Chiefs at the end of the year when they were sitting their starters. And they won seven games. They lost to the Cincinnati, you know, Bengals week one when they thought they threw a winning touchdown pass, you know, at the end to win it. And, you know, they got, got called back. You know, it just – this is this is a team that, uh, you know, and defensively, if you get Derwin James and, and Joey Bosa, if you get those guys really, you know, staying healthy, there's no reason why this team can't compete in the AFC West right now. Just, just, just the optimism surrounding the Chargers and what they have to build around. Because this guy, he, he looked like Robert Redford in the Natural last year, Jason. You know, I mean, they've got a really tough first game. They got to go across the country to play the Washington Football Team in that defense week one. You know, they, they play Dallas at home, and then they get Kansas City in Kansas City, and and the Raiders punt. Their first month is, you know, I mean, they got Cleveland I mean, and Baltimore. I mean, they've, they've got a loaded schedule. I mean, really good defensive teams, good football teams. Um, you know, in the first six weeks of the year, if they come out of there somehow just three and three. Right. They, I mean, they're, they're going to they're gonna compete if they can do that. It's, it's a tough start, though, no question about it. I, I – how do I want to phrase this? I really like Anthony Lynn. Mm -hmm. I think Anthony Lynn did some some cool stuff with the Chargers, um, kind of getting them to believe in themselves, bridging that sort of gap um, from the tail end of the Philip Rivers regime tenure there, which was um, bumpy to bridge it to Herbert. But I just also felt like game management decisions, Baldy, that they they were their own worst enemy a lot of times in close and late situations, end of the half end of the game, fourth down, when to go for it, when to attempt field goals. Um, there were a lot of times where they had two units running on the field at once. I mean, I shouldn't say a lot, but more than more than, more than than what's generally considered acceptable. I feel like if they, they just sort of streamline some of that stuff, right, like baseline that mm -hmm. stuff where we're not having critical decision-making errors or we're not, you know what I mean, the, the, the lines of communication are smoother. We're not having our defense and our special teams on the field at the same time. That might be one or two wins right there, which in this league is massive. Well, they're, they're bringing in – you know, I think when you get a young quarterback that was just as sensational as Justin Herbert was a year ago, you really 
I want to give him everything possible. I, I love Anthony Lynn. I love the way he delegates. I love the way yes. he leads. I love the way that he has command. They had won 12 games two years ago, uh, tied Kansas City, you know, you know, and but you know, when you get a guy like this, you know, Joe Lombardi comes from the New Orleans Saints, he'll bring a big part of that playbook with him. I think you got to build around the quarterback. That means Brandon Staley was phenomenal in his one year as the defensive coordinator of the Rams a year ago, the number one ranked defense. You talk to guys on that defense, Jalen Ramsey, they really embraced the things that he did. Um, he, he, he's look, I, you know, I, he's, he has, he looks like he's got that kind of command yeah. of, you know, veteran star players that you got to have in his business and they got to be able to respect you. And it looks like he gets that. And so I'm anxious to see, how they build around this, but defensively, they, I mean, quietly, Kenneth Murray was a stud last year at middle linebacker. I mean, I think they hit on both mm-hmm. number one picks last year. Murray had, he led the team in tackles. He, he was all over the field. He's got a great skill set. We have seen what Derwin James can be um, when healthy. We know what Joey Boza, you know, can, you know, has been. I mean, yeah. they just, they got a lot of, they got a lot of skill on that side of the ball. Um, where defensively, you know, they, they should be very, very competitive against, you know, good good offenses like like the team we're going to talk about next and, and uh, you know, a lot of teams that are scheduled. So, I don't know. The, the Chargers, if, you know, they're, if they're, you know, if they're a stock in the stock market, I right. mean, you're buying a whole bunch of shares of them. Well, if they are an ascending stock, the Kansas City Chiefs are – uh, the ultimate blue chip stock at this point. They're Coca-Cola or, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a yeah, big stock guy. IBM, Exxon, I don't know, right? They're 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 paying off dividends every year. Uh, they 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 seem to be uh, somewhat inelastic to other market forces, right? They 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 prosper no matter what. Uh, I guess if we want to nitpick, Baldy. Um. You know, Orlando Brown's only played half a season in the NFL at left tackle. I, I think he will be just damn fine over there. But you could make the, the argument that, hey, is he absolutely positively the answer at left tackle? Um, Frank Clark in more legal trouble. Uh, you could certainly quibble about their overall pass rush, right? Their individual pass rush acumen. Although Spags is one of those guys like Wink Martindale that seems to just be able to, it's like Oprah with the cars, right? You get a sack and you get a sack and I'll scheme one for you and I'll get a few for, you know, uh, Tyron. And at the end of the day, we'll be okay. Um, Even if we don't have anybody, you know, with more than eight or whatever. Uh, But I I guess if we're we're going to quibble, uh, those are some areas that percolate for me. What about you? Well, Patrick Mahomes came out couple weeks ago and said that his goal is to go 20, 20 and 0, Woo. you know, which means winning Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. And it's hard. It's hard to go against. I mean, they're going to be favored in every game. Uh, the offense is phenomenal uh, to go get Joe Tooney uh, and to get Orlando Brown and a draft to center to go with, you know, what they have. And, uh, you know, Dr. Uh, Tardif, you know, coming back at right guard. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Kyle Long's status is at this point. I don't know how much yeah. of a difference it makes. Uh, they, 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 they addressed their biggest weakness uh, was the offensive line. It got exposed. Uh, 
you know, in the, in the Super Bowl, got exposed to the second half of the NFC Championship game, uh, you know, once they lost their left tackle. But I actually think uh, Zeus is an upgrade at left tackle over what they have had in uh, Fisher. So Eric Fisher has been a good player. I think Zeus is actually a better player. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't go through him, and he's too big to go around. I mean, it's just what he's done. He just knows how to play the game. Uh, and he wants to be the Pro Bowl left tackle. That's why he wanted out of Baltimore. And so it's an honor, it's an ode and honor to his father um, who raised him to be the left tackle, and that's what he wants to be. And so I applaud him. You know, I yes, mean, it's yeah, tough me to leave an organization like Baltimore. Uh, they do everything right in that place, and they treated him well. Uh, they took a chance on him after a combine, which was, you know, even in his own estimation, rough. Uh, it was a disaster. And they still took a chance on him, and it paid off. And so, look, to make the trade for him, uh, when you look at him defensively, regardless of what happens to Frank Clark, I mean, Chris Jones is there. He's going to play a lot of end. Uh, you know, they got Jerron Reed from Seattle. I mean, they bolstered the interior of that mm-hmm. defensive line. Uh, they still have Tyron Matthew, who's the ultimate quarterback on defense. Watch out for this kid, Willie Gay. They drafted in the second round last year. Um, he is just – Bigger, stronger, faster, um, you know, and really uh, only played, only started six games at Mississippi State. I mean, this guy is raw, but man, he can, he can see ball, get ball. So I, there's nothing, and Andy Reid can coach with the best of them. So yes, they they are, they are still the team to beat in the AFC. And I know the Raiders beat them once last year in Arrowhead. Game a game twice. Game a game both times. Yeah, and so they seem to have their number a little bit. Well, they 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 put up forty points on at at Arrowhead, which not many teams can do. And so some Sundays, that's what you got to do. Yep, Patrick Mahomes is on the other side. So, uh, they I thought they had you know a great off season. In fact, if I had to grade their off season, I think it's the best off season that any team had in the league. Yeah, because of what they were trying to protect, and if they protect the MVP and Patrick Mahomes, you know, the sky's the limit and what they can do offensively. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm completely with you, Baldy. Patrick Mahomes coming off the foot situation. Any any concern there? It seems to me like he'll have had an abundance of time to get himself back from that thing. Does that give you any pause or hesitation? Well, the only thing, the only pause is now we're seeing just that accumulation of injuries in four years. You know, whether it's the knee, the foot, the toe, um, you know, he, he, he runs a lot. He takes a lot of hits. He's as tough as they come. But, you know, we saw Aaron Rodgers dip for a couple of years when he sustained a number of injuries. Um, the body can only take so much of this. So I would just say just the compounding um, number of injuries that he has sustained. Now, he's gotten through them. I expect him to be 100% and fine. Right. Uh, when, when they tee it up here to start the season. But yes, I think, you know, on September 12th against Cleveland in that playoff rematch, I expect Patrick Mahomes to be 100%. But, uh, you know, can can these injuries start to chip away at what is the, you know, the best talent to enter this league over the last five years? I think the one other critical thing we need to, to mention here as well before we, we wrap up the, the Chiefs and the AFC West is, um, Patrick Mahomes and the contract he did that pays him just $63 million the first three years 
of of the deal. Yeah. And that spans, you know, mm-hmm. what, 10, 11 additional years on top of what was already on his contract. I think you're seeing that, the sweet spot of that and, and the dividends of that, Baldy. When you have a, te- a team with that much talent and the salary cap doesn't just rise like it normally does or doesn't just somehow stay stagnant, right. it goes down. And they're still able, right, to bring in Joe Tooney and to almost get Trent Williams at $22 million a year as well. And he just at the end decides to stay in San Francisco because he's known Kyle Shanahan forever. And they kept Chris Jones a year ago, you know, and they're able to make the Orlando Brown trade. And we know he's eventually going to be making big-time money there too. I, I just think that is sort of the secret sauce. That That is a big part of the reason why we're talking, uh, you know, about them somewhat cheekily, but not entirely cheekily, going 20-0. and 0. It, It's because of the flexibility that they have from a, a roster management and talent uh, a, a, a acquisition standpoint because of the structure of that contract. No question about it. You know, you have to mention, you know, Travis Kelsey, the highest paid tight end, or what they did with Tyreek Hill. And, I mean, yes. I mean, they have that sort of, and, you know, in the cap, you know, rising considerably this year. Um you know, it allows them to keep – now, you know, they Tyron Matthew wants to retire whenever that is. They should take care of him. They should take care yeah, of him. You know, so be, that's probably the next guy. But, you know, they have they have struck gold with guys like Charvarius Ward, Legereus Sneed. You know, you've got to hit in yeah. other areas. And they have consistently done that. Now, the offensive line eventually broke down last year over with a number of injuries. And so they had to spend money and rebuild that, make trades, and address it. And so they have done that while they were able to keep everybody else that they wanted to keep. They really didn't lose anybody that they didn't want to. And so, you know, Frank Clark was, you know, a $100 million-plus player coming in, and Chris Jones, hundred. I mean, there's not many teams, you know, maybe Tampa that right. can rival right. them for keeping star players – uh, you know, within the, the constraints of the salary cap. It's, it's it's remarkable. Yeah, no, it really is the inside football stuff that at the end of the day can separate the very, very best from um, their, their closest challengers. Well, that has been our look at the AFC West. We thank you guys, as always, for listening. And uh, we, we, we send our kudos and congratulations and best wishes to Carl Nassib as well after uh, um, he took the brave step that he did this week as always let us know what you guys think of what we do for you um you can hit me up at twitter at jason lock and four hit baldy up at baldy nfl please rate review um give us feedback on itunes spotify wherever you listen to baldy's breakdowns and uh baldy what do you say we do this again next week and you know i think we were a little remiss and not hitting the julio jones stuff as hard as we could have Maybe we go down south next week and put on our, our cowboy hats and, uh, and, yeah. and 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 mine our way through uh, the AFC South. I'd love to do it. Love to do it. Rock and roll. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.